This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great to have you folks. Folks, we're going to have a great time together today. You're going to leave here inspired. You're going to leave here feeling a little bit about the light. You're going to feel, leave here feeling like you can actually speak to something. This, this, this series started with this basic concept that Martin Luther King had that I love, which is, which our lives begin to end when we stop speaking to what truly matters. Isn't that interesting? Our lives begin to end. When we lose our voice, our lives begin to end. And, and I don't view that, that voice, like a lot of the time we confuse voice with volume. Could I get an amen on that? You know, where, where somehow, if our voices are louder, that means we have a voice. I don't think so. It's not about louder. It's about truer and more loving. And if we can speak to those pieces, I think maybe we can find that voice that God has intended for all time for us to have. And maybe today, by the end of the service, we just have a little bit more sense of that, a little sense of something to go out in the week with. So are you with me on that journey? Yes. So great to have you here today. So I start out with just, with just a basic concept from New Church that I think is so important. It's this concept that we'll show in one second. Truth is, please say the A word there. Truth is always for the sake of love. Folks, think about that. It means if you're not speaking for the sake of love, you are actually not telling the Truth. Isn't that interesting? New Church, we believe truth simply defined is just the form that love takes. Now again, sometimes in pursuit of that love for the sake of love, truth for the sake of love, sometimes that can mean saying really hard and challenging things. Sometimes it can mean offering comfort. Sometimes it can mean all kinds of things. But we always have to go back to, to that idea of truth is for the very sake of love. And that interplay so incredibly important between the light and the darkness as we seek to find those words. Now, I want to share with you a very, very famous passage from the Bible. And again, it's New Church Live. We have a lot of folks joining us online these days. You may or may not be familiar with this passage. It's one of the real anchor passages, I think, of Christianity. And we're going to actually have it read to us by our very own Luke Frazier, who's, who's did a reading for us from out in Austin, Texas. Luke is the one, by the way, who moderates our, our online conversation boards as a volunteer every week from way out in big old Texas. So take a look at this reading. Listen to this reading, and then I'm going to talk about what does this mean? Like, how do we, how do we figure out that interplay between light and dark as we seek to find our voice? Take a look. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum which was by the lake in an area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven has come near. All 
I love that, that passage, right? And if, if we look at kind of the interplay of language here, the interplay of words, Jesus heard that John had been put in prison. He withdrew to Galilee. He went and lived in Capernaum by the lake Zebulun, Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. So, so Jesus kind of opts out for a minute. He opts out for a minute. He opts out. He's, he's part of the community. All of a sudden, this horrific event happens. His cousin John is, is arrested, eventually is, is executed. And, and he kind of retreats. He's, I'm, I'm taking a little journey here. And there's this beautiful part to it that, that starts to interplay between the ideas of darkness and light. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, that's going back to the 23rd Psalm, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to repent began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, if we could go back one slide just real quick. That idea of coming near, folks, it's, 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 here's this, here's this incredibly dark time. Again and again, it's, it's so fascinating in the, in the Bible that really dark times are also times when light starts to appear. It's why some of the some of the books of the Bible, which is like this ancient library of ancient literature, thousands of years old, so much of the most positive stuff is said in books like Isaiah and Jeremiah. You may not be familiar with that, but those are Old Testament books, 3,000 years old, written during really dark times. But they also include these incredible promises of light. That's what that's referring back to in incredibly beautiful ways. One of the big challenges, I think, is, is we seek to find our voice, as we seek to find that place that comes from light, is understanding what is said of the darkness here. Notice this line. The light shines in the darkness, and the, I'm going to have you say the C word there. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not, did not comprehend it. That's such a fascinating part. The darkest part of our lives, that, that dark part that all of us have, all of us have, it can't comprehend light. I think back to times when I've been really angry, really angry. How rational is someone when they're really angry? How rational? Not. Not a lick. Because you can't comprehend light in that moment. Folks, here's something for you. When you're really in a dark place, does it work when someone says, oh, but look what you should be grateful for? Does that work? Please say no. No, it doesn't work because we can't comprehend it at that moment. So when someone says, but look at how good your life is, you're like, you got to be kidding me. We had the stomach flu at the Blair household this week. Do not ask my wife about darkness this weekend. It's interesting the way that works, isn't it? Now, now there's, there's, there's a heavy side of that and the light side to that. The heavy side to that, folks, is that should give you a lot of compassion for when darkness overwhelms someone. It should give you a lot of compassion. It should give me a lot of compassion. Because Jesus is so clear, when we get into those really dark spots, we can't comprehend anything else but. And that, that's difficult, because people make really hard, tragic decisions from that very dark place often. And it's just 
I just think we have to breathe and just remember this line, and the darkness comprehended it not. That doesn't explain it away. That doesn't make it easier. It just makes it, yeah, that, that is what's true. We get into dark places that literally can't comprehend it. And we can also look at it lightly, and that's what I sort of hope to do a bit, is, is, is look at it a little humorously today so we can see it in our lives, so maybe we can, we can sort of nip it in the bud upstream a little bit. Look at it upstream a little bit. So that we can start to see how light and dark and how our voice actually works with all this. Now, I love, I love this little line right here. Come to the dark side, we have cookies. Isn't that good? Come to the dark side, we have cookies. And I think many of us can understand that from this next cartoon, you know, in our, in our relationships. This is from the New Yorker. Well, if it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong, why don't I be right and you be wrong? That's good. Probably one of you used that today. <laughs> and, and I... I want us just to have a time to just share a little bit about that. You know, to share actually answers to this question. When was the last time you visited the dark side for the cookies? I, I know one with me, like it's tax season, right? How many of us don't do taxes terribly well? You know, we're not at our best when taxes comes. I'm not. And what I had to be honest with myself, like our taxes just aren't that complicated. And yet, I have to make it sound like a Herculean task. Because I want to go to the dark side, and I want my cookie. I want my wife to go like, honey, you've worked so hard on taxes all day. Well, all I do is bundle them and send them to the accountant. But, but I want her for a minute to be like, wow, that's really hard work. And I'm like, oh, yes, it is. Incredibly hard work. So I make sure to do it at the kitchen table with everything spread out all over and asking for quiet in the house and everything. You know, and the fact is, that's just me going to the dark side and enjoying the cookies. That's it. So Kelly's going to be around. I'd love for a couple of other people to share. What was sometime recently you felt you're stuck? Yeah, you know, I was a little bit drawn to the dark side. And I got to say, the cookies were pretty good. All right? So just raise your hand. We're going to get like two or three folks who'd like to share. Be brave here, folks. Kelly, and also remember, if nobody says anything, you can volunteer your husband right there. Anybody want to volunteer one? Hello, everybody. I'm visiting from Florida. I had to come home to see my family because the dark side was I was staying in a motel near Tampa General Hospital and my wife was having surgery and she died. And that was very dark side, but the people at the motel were like friends and family and great to be with. And my family came down and made me drive up here right now, yeah. go home. <laughs> and so those were the cookies are all the grubs and all the rest of the new church and Bernathan and everything is such a bright blessing for me at this very dark, hard time. That's beautiful. And can you say the ticket your brother got, how he showed up? What did oh, he, he say? He came, he, my, one brother drove down in a rental car and drove back. 
The other brother came down and he said, I bought a one-way ticket. You need to drive me home. So here I am. I watch every weekend. Every weekend I watch with my dog on my lap in my office. Yeah. Well, good to have you here, bud. Another one, folks. Anyone else have one? All right. That was good. Thank you. I think that was as good as we could get right there. So thank you very much. So, so when, when you look at that idea and, and you look at, you know, going to the dark side and, and how do we actually start to find some of the, some of the, some of the light in that, right? And we can look at it humorously and then we can look at these more serious situations too. And, and maybe a piece here, folks, maybe a piece for it, for us is just to remember to keep on looking and to remember to think, like, how is it that when somebody's in a dark place, like, what is the offering of light there? What does that look like? As the band comes out, I want you to think about that. Like, really think about what that looks like and what are the, what are the words look like. Like, even words down to, hey, brother, I'm here. I bought a one-way ticket. You're driving me home. What are those words? What is that language? And how do we speak from that more and more in our lives? Giving words, listen carefully here, as I've said it a number of times, words that create worlds, words that bring light. I think so much of the time, right, we can witness loved ones going into dark places or maybe ourselves. And it's, and it's so hard to remember, again, like, and the darkness comprehended it not. Like, there's always light. When we're in a dark place, it's, it's so hard to comprehend it. It's like a, a loved one. If, if we have a loved one who's, who's struggling with anything from depression, fill in the blank. It's so hard. Because those words become those worlds. And if those words are, 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 world, are words of darkness, it, it can become a world that's, that's just very challenging. It's very hard. It's, it's hard for us personally when we're going through it. It's hard to watch other people go through that too because oftentimes, don't you feel like I can't do anything? What am I supposed to do here? That's tough. That's tough. And yet, of course, you know, Jesus does have answers there for us. And, and there are answers, folks, and I want to be careful here. And I say it, this is, again, I've been saying this a lot, but I, but I want to say it, especially for those of you who are joining us for the first time. And this is just a general orientation. I believe it's, it's when I say answers, don't, don't think it's like there's three things you need to do and then it will all be better and all darkness would be solved. Wouldn't that be nice? We're talking lenses, I'm saying that a lot. We're talking lenses. We're talking shifting a lens so we can somehow see it differently. These times that are incredibly dark sometimes that are challenging. So to do that, to, to get at that lens and, 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 and you know, an, an answer with a small a, I want to come again to this other very famous passage in the Bible. This is from Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. Now, now I just I want to sit with that for a minute. Because I've preached on this before, and I think we, this is one of those passages, 
It just, it just keeps on giving in so many ways. Folks, Jesus was preaching to a bunch of peasants in an occupied land. Do you think they'd ever been called the light of the world before? Do you think? Yes or no? No. Absolutely not. He's calling them the light of the world. I know there's some of you sitting in here right now who are feeling this. Dark. Heavy. What's the use? What's the point? And here's Jesus in his magnum opus, his great work, the Sermon on the Mount. He has this line, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Not the light just in this little thing. You are the light of the world. Amazing stuff. You think of how the shift that he's trying to get us to make there, the, the, the change. And again, Jesus was really clear. He even used the word, the darkness didn't comprehend it. It's, it's hard to comprehend that when we're in a dark place. But here's Jesus again and again, again and again, returning us to who we actually are. Again and again, returning us to who we actually are. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When when you start to kind of pull this language apart, there's a lot of brilliant parts in it. You are the light of the world. That's beautiful. And and a lot of the time, when it gets quoted, it it gets stopped there. I'm very fortunate to be able to preach at the local college once a week. And it's interesting looking at that line. I think, I think we can stop there, like you are the light of the world. And the passage actually calls us further. So I'm going to step over here for a second. The passage does indeed start saying, yes, you have to start at this place. You are the light of the world. The Bible, I say this over and over again, it's so important. The Bible starts with original blessing, not with original sin. The Bible starts with original blessing, not original sin. We're blessed. Then we make some mistakes. Could I get an amen? (laughs) There we go. The dark side does have cookies. And then a shift starts to happen. I I think Jesus is saying, yes, start here, but don't just end here. Get get that there's a point in being here, that point of light, and then we want to take that light. I'm going to step back over here. We want to take that light, and then we want to understand to come back to the passage up here. Can we go back to the previous passage? To get to the passage up here, that light, is that light is to give light to, please say the word there, give light to everyone in the house. So we get the light, and the light is for something. What's your light for? Jesus is clear. You all got it. What's it for? What's it for? 
And then there's this, this beautiful tie-in as well where, where, where Jesus connects the two. He's saying, look, you have this light. This light is so everyone in the house can see. And that's actually how you glorify God. It's actually how you bring light and, and life to the concept of God. It's a fascinating tie. As we shine, as we come into that true self, we give other people permission to shine too. As we shine, we give other people permission to shine too. And you know what God does when he sees you do that? He smiles. He smiles. Like that's the point. That's what we're so much here to do. This attaches into this beautiful ancient Jewish tradition called Tikkun Olam. And it gets back, when you look at this picture here of this, of this couple, it gets, gets back to this idea that, that we have this light to share. Can I tell you guys about this wedding picture? Thank you. Somebody's going to say no eventually, I know. You know, this, this, wedding, this wedding picture. So, so it was a wedding we did at the cathedral, and I, I had the couple hold a candle. And this is a New Church Live couple, Rachel and Phil. And we turned out all the lights in the cathedral. Super cool. And it, and it was that idea of light. And when we learn to, to have the light, and that God gives us the light, and, and in our relationships, our relationships... It helps us to see, of course, but most importantly, it helps us to see our partner. And maybe in some way, it helps those who are in the shadows, yet on either side, maybe see a little bit of light themselves. But it's not a generated light. As a dear friend said, we can't generate love. We can't generate light either. We just allow that light to kind of move through us and to to light up our relationships. And and, and that light, as best we can, so much of life is the search for that and and the seeing of it, the curiosity around it. And that ties us right back into this ancient Jewish piece of tikkun olam, the restoration of the world. Now I want to talk to you about what tikkun olam means. In the beginning, this is, the, this is from Rachel Naomi Remen, Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen. In the beginning, there was only the holy darkness, the Ein Sof, the source of life. And then in the course of history, at a moment in time, this world, the world of a thousand, thousand things, emerged from the heart of the holy darkness as a great ray of light. And then, perhaps because this is a Jewish story, she's, a, she's Jewish, and then perhaps because this is a Jewish story, there was an accident. And the vessels containing the light of the world, the wholeness of the world, broke. In the wholeness of the world, the light of the world was scattered into a thousand, thousand fragments of light. And they fell into all events and all people where they remain deeply hidden until this very day. Now, according to my grandfather, grandfather was a rabbi, the whole human race is a response to this accident. We are here. Because we are born with the capacity. And folks, again, I want you to hear this. If you are just struggling, or you have a loved one who's struggling, please hear this next part. 
We are here because we are born with the capacity to find the hidden light in all events and all people. To lift it up and make it visible once again and thereby to restore the innate wholeness of the world. It's a very important story for our times. And this task is called tikkun olam in Hebrew. It's the restoration of the world. Is that good or what? Wow. I think that restoration of the world is when we really do start to see that hidden light, when we search out that hidden light in all events and all people. That takes an amazing tenacity. That takes courage. And what if this? What if we just said, you know, this is our stand. This is our stand. We are going to stand for that light, and we are going to stand in restoring the world, and we're going, to, we're going to work as hard as we can to see the light in all people and all events. Does that mean there's no such thing as darkness, folks? Yes or no? No, there's clearly going to be darkness. And where we will stand, is we will stand as best we can in that undeterred leaning into seeing and finding the light as best we can in all events and all people. That is the restoration of the world from this beautiful Jewish tradition. Like when we see that light, maybe that's why Jesus talks about light so much. Now, I want to step over here and talk about what this means in really practical ways. One of the, one of the challenges in life, I think, is, is, is this, and it was said very well by this pastor, Anthony Standy. He said, you know, most churches are answering questions people aren't asking. That always brings a smile and a reminder to me that some of the questions as a pastor that I might ponder over that I consider so important may not necessarily be all that significant in the world. Brings a necessary humility to church and being a pastor. One question I do think a lot about is that, that what is church? What are we trying to do here? What are we trying to accomplish? And it's more looking at what you folks are accomplishing and drawing note to that than than really anything else. We live in a world where I think we have to be so careful about this. There are preferences and there are aspirations. I think we live in a world so much that's given to our exact preference. Folks, those of us who are like as old as me, how many types of coffee could you choose from back in the day? One, which was really crummy diner coffee. That was your choice. And did you want cream and sugar? That was it. How many types of coffee can you order from Starbucks these days? It's like thousands, right? So we have preferences, we have preferences, and we, we, we live in a world that we have more and more where we can really live our life according to exactly what our preferences are. 
That's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't want to treat it that way. But over-focusing on it comes at the cost of a conversation around aspirations. What do we aspire to? I think as a, as a community, we need to always be asking this. And I think you folks not only ask it, blessedly you live it all the time. And what if we look at these aspirations and we say, this is what we aspire to. To, to aspire to serve, to be a, aspire as a church that gives words to the meaning of God for this generation. A church that dives into those things that, that matter, a spiritual home. As we do that and we speak to those aspirations, I think we start to find the light in all things and all people. Tikkun Olam. We hold that as an aspiration. Like, that's what I'm really going to do. I'm really going to work at finding the light in all things and all people. Leaning into that. And when we lean into that, inevitably, we become part of the healing of the world. Not the healing of the world by any stretch. Heaven forbid that ever gets said in here. But just doing our little broken, imperfect part as best we can. Now I'm going to shift now, and I want you to follow this shift really carefully, and maybe join me not just with an intellectual thought, oh, that's nice, but, but, but join me in your heart with this. That's why we do services like the one coming up next week on family and addiction. This is a really important service. Notice what I said there. This is a really important, please say the S word there, this is a really important Service. And I mean that in both senses of the word. It's not just a service as in like, yeah, we're going to come here, hear some great music and stuff. It's, 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 this is a way that we serve. It was so incredibly powerful to, to be with this group of people who met on Thursday night, plus the sermon writing team, this group of people who met to talk about this. I mean, it was a wide variety of ages and stages and, and journeys on this road and, and again, the service is geared towards both those struggling with the disease of addiction and the families who love them. And it was great to hear from both of those sides of the equation. It was powerful. It was so blessed. Because each one of us has a different part of the story, and each one of us had a chance maybe to hear that little piece of light in someone else. restoration of the world. Light in all things. Light in all people. Light in all events. And I think so much is what we're called to do. And it's, it's, it's not necessarily a grand task. I, I, love the, I love the voice of Jean Vanier. Jean Vanier had this beautiful quote, which I just love. John Vanier, what I sense for the future of our poor little world with all its ecological difficulties and financial difficulties, that maybe the big thing that's going to happen is that little lights of love will spread over the country. Little places where people love each other and welcome the poor and the broken. We will never hit the headlines, but we will be creating these little lamps. 
And if there are a sufficient number of little, little lamps in each village or each city and parts of the city, well, then the glow will be a little bit greater. I love that idea that we're just here to have, to just add the little light that we can. This is a picture from just literally about a half hour ago. It's the team that headed down to St. Francis in this morning. Those, those little bit of lights matter. That's, that's what we want to speak to consistently. Remembering that when we speak to that light, I'm going to come back to the middle here, when we speak to that light, we give permission to others to speak into their light as well. I started out the series talking about this beautiful passage from New Church Theology where, where it was said that love was talking. And, and when you hear an angel speak, that's what you're hearing is love talking. Take a look at this passage here. Angels, everything in them is visible to others without pretense because their intentions are always good. I think that's speaking to the light. That's speaking to this, to this, to this light that we start to see is in us and we start to see it in others. And as we choose to live in our own light, we allow, we give others permission to choose to live into their light too. That's not a small thing. That's something moving way beyond preferences of coffee. That's moving to an aspiration. I think that's where God's calling us. Now, what I wanted to close this service on is I wanted to give you, and you don't have to do this. This is a volunteer activity. I wanted to give you a chance to speak. Kelly's going to be around with the microphone. And if there's something that just is coming to your mind, and please just just make it like a sentence or two, not the Sermon on the Mount, just a sentence or two, I am here to, dot, dot, dot. I am here to, dot, dot, dot. I think that's an appropriate way for us to close this series on speak. And as these people speak what is their truth. I want you to hear it as a form of love. And I want you to see if you can hear in their words the light in all events and in all people. So, if a few of you wouldn't mind raising your hand, Kelly will be around with the microphone. I am here to listen to others. I am here to connect with my children and show how to connect with others. Thank you. I'm here to sing my song. Another one, folks? I'm here to enjoy community while I learn the truth. Mm, beautiful. Kelly, here's Jenny down here. 
I'm here <clears throat> to listen more compassionately and then to share gratitude. Mm. Thank you. I'm here to be the best version of myself. Amen. All right, thank you, folks. Please give them all a round of applause. For us. So, can I totally go off the, off the ranch here for a minute? So, I am here. I am here, too. Well, what am I here to do? Not much. But what I'm here to do, I think, part is this, is to remind us of the we. It's to remind us of the we. As each of us searches out that beautiful I, we come to this beautiful we, where we all come together in that beautiful idea of community, where we, where we all start to share the light, where we all start to be the light as best we can. We all start to see it in all events, all things, all people. And that maybe is what pulls us together. That maybe is what starts to become the healing of the world. As a pastor, you know, you, you lean into things, and there's some things where it's like, oh, I just don't want to sound too strident. And yet, there's part of me that feels like, oh, but we need to sound strident about this. That strident C is around really getting clear. In a world of preferences, we can never lose the language of aspirations. In a world where we can sort of ensconce ourselves in all those things that we prefer and we like, we must never come to value what we like over what is good. This congregation has taught me personally so much about that. I think the final word, as it is so much of the time with my, as my Angela would put it, is courage, because courage is the one moral virtue that makes all other moral virtues possible. So let's continue to live into that world of speaking. Speaking what is true. Speaking to the light. The light in all events and all people. Speaking knowing that if we don't, our lives begin to die and shrivel a little bit. Speaking knowing that if we do, we come alive. We come alive. That closes this series. That closes... This sermon, blessings on all you folks. May you have a week speaking from your heart. Amen. Now I'm going to offer a prayer. Then you have the opportunity to say your own prayer, the Lord's Prayer as you know it, or to have a moment of quiet reflection. And then we're going to close with Jesus, Will You Help Me Now? That's been the song we've used throughout this series, and you're welcome to sing along with the band if you'd like. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Thank you again, Lord, for the pieces of light that are this amazing congregation. Pieces of light that join us here in person. Pieces of light joining us online. Thank you, Lord. Help to remind us of the light. Help us to see it. Help us to be open to it. Help us to sing the song that is ours to sing. Help us, Lord, as well to make those courageous decisions that move us beyond our preferences towards what our aspirations truly are. 
into that depth, that gravitas, that soul-given part. Lord, and we know that place. We know that place because somehow it feels these two things. It feels very free, and yes, it even feels very hard. Help us to move there. Help us to be there. And help us, as always, as a congregation, to be there together. In your name, this day, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.